You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Back in on the drive. A little bit earlier, we are joined by the guys from Arrowhead Pride. We'll get to them momentarily, but we'll give you a chance to win $1,000 on our national cash contest. Coming up at 3.30, today's pop quiz brought to you by Victory Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram was Karate Kid. Happy Halloween to you and yours out there. We welcome in Pete Sweeney and the blog father. He's just Pete Sweeney. You're the blog father, Joel. I know. I feel like I need a cool nickname like that. My gosh. <laughs> no, you, you do have a nickname. You're the one with the nickname. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I need a nickname father, like man. that. He's I need a, a nickname so, like and that. Pete is a part of your blogging tree. Is that correct? That's absolutely true. I do claim Pete on my blogging tree. Is he like Ron West. Rivera to Andy Reid, or which one is he? Yeah, well, it's not River quite as Sweeney. impressive as Andy Reid's. I don't Pat have Shermer. like nine head coaches in the <laughs> league. I'm not Pat Shermer. <laughs> I'm Riverboat Swing. Riverboat Swing. Okay, Shermer. That's nice. what you think. Nice. <laughs> Let's start with this because we were talking about this before you guys came in. That yesterday on SB Nation, your top 14 posts yesterday were about the NFL trade deadline. This is the first deadline I can remember that it was legitimate buzz and actual moves being made because, Pete, you and I grew up in the generation of, man, nobody made trades at the NFL trade deadline that now we're getting to this point. Man, the NFL trade deadline matters. Big moves happen at the deadline. It has at least the last couple seasons. Yeah, it was actually pretty exciting this year. There was uh, a lot more interest. Um, the rumors seemed, like, real, like, even with the Chiefs, like, I totally could have believed they're going after Landon Collins or Haha Clinton Dix or uh, you know somebody else like that. So um, it felt it felt real in in most cases, and uh, you know I think with some of the changes the league has made, um, you know just having more cap space, draft picks maybe not being as valuable, uh, makes some of these younger GMs willing to go out there and make these moves at the deadline. Whereas in years past, you know some of the older guys didn't. It felt like yet another NFL event. You know, I think we sometimes look, okay, we're, the NFL is, 20, um, you know, 365 days, 52 weeks a year. Uh, and again, it's in full swing right now, but it just felt like another draft or something like it. And I thought, too, I was very surprised. So the Chiefs ended up doing nothing, but there was so much hype surrounding it. I hope I can reveal these numbers. The Chiefs rumor tracker that we had was the number one page on SBNation.com yesterday. So, like, to wow. me, and the Chiefs didn't even make a move. And that's across <laughs> the whole thing, including fighting and different sports and, and whatnot. Sure. So that hype is real. And, and it's amazing that the NFL, again, has created another yet another thing to you know pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, it's another layer to the, the awesomeness that the NFL is. I mean, right? I mean, we're so saturated with NFL stuff throughout the entire season. And now, I don't even know if they meant to do this or not, uh, the, the way that... The cap space works and the rookie cap and all that other stuff, but maybe they didn't mean to do it. But now that you're right, Pete, they've created another event. Were, were people on Arrowhead Pride, were they upset, happy? Where do they sit on the Chiefs' standing pat on that? 
as of the vote that we had yesterday, we got more than, I believe it was 1,500 Chiefs fans. And it's usually a pretty good indication to the fan base. 75% wanted to make a move. Yeah. And then 25% were, were okay with the team they have now. Find me the fan who's okay standing pat at 2.30 on the day of the deadline. <laughs> like, every fan absolutely wants to make a move. And I think, like, Kent Swanson from Arrowhead Pride was uh, kind of on Twitter saying, like, you know, you, you're 7-1, and one, the you know first or second best team in the league with Patrick Mahomes. Like, whoever you add on here isn't going to be, like, the deciding factor, you're, probably not. I, mean, I, I made the I made the analogy yesterday. It's like just because you go shopping doesn't mean you got to buy anything. You know, if you don't find anything good or of good value, why spend the money? I think that's kind of where the Chiefs were. Your perfect record, Rams weren't satisfied. They went out and got, went and improved their team. I mean, not to say that the, the Chiefs... Rams are just to me the Rams aren't an anal- uh, a lot anomaly. Excuse me. Is the Rams have been like I can't think of a team aside from the Dream Team Eagles that has been more aggressive trying to win a Super Bowl in the modern era than the Rams have been. So the Rams to me are an anomaly. Patriots didn't make a move yesterday. Steelers didn't make a move yesterday. Chargers didn't make a right. move yesterday. I mean, the big time players we think to have a legitimate chance to win the Super Bowl, none of those teams made moves yesterday. We just talked off air, kind of comparing it, and you made the point. Yeah, that it was the contenders that usually make the moves in the MLB or NBA. I think that Dante Fowler to the Rams is the first true rental because he's due to become a free agent in the in the NFL they sacrificed quite a bit when you look at a third round and fifth round pick yeah. in the terms of NFL value and it really only going to happen to the end of the season and then he could sign wherever he wants so and that's to me, what Earl Thomas was going to be though in Kansas City right. get same hurt, thing though, right? same thing yeah, yeah. but it's for, for me it's just fascinating because we're I think we're approaching that where now every year at the October 30th or whatever the deadline is you're going to be looking at it and saying I want my team to improve if you're a fan it's just cool I got to give the Chiefs a lot of credit for this is I don't think they were willing to settle like now with now the dust has kind of settled a little bit, the smoke has cleared a little bit. It was clear they were in on Earl Thomas. That I you know, I believe Therese, they were gonna make a move if Earl Thomas hadn't ended up on injury reserve, he was on injury reserve. Landon Collins went on Michael K's show yesterday and said the Chiefs were heavily involved, but the price got too high, so they backed off at the end. I'm happy at least to know that the Chiefs were either gonna really do something at the trade deadline or they weren't going to make a move for the sake of making a move to get marginally better. They were either going to swing for the fences or not swing at all. I like that approach. I would not feel better today if they spent a fifth-round draft pick on a guy that marginally makes them better because that's a resource to me you can use in the offseason to get a significant piece. I mean, uh, uh, Tlaib from the Broncos, he got traded for a fifth-round pick. You can make significant moves with draft picks that just normally don't happen at the deadline. It's cool that Brett Veach is a GM who is at the craps table, but you don't have to worry, like you're saying, about him going on tilt, which in gambling means, oh, I just you know lost it. I have to do something. I have to do something to make my money back. Like you're right. I think he was really smart with the picks. He wasn't going to overpay because again, the Chiefs are seven and one. But you like that he's involved and he's at the table and he's looking at every angle to improve this team. Yeah, I mean, being aggressive, which I think he is, and Therese thinks he is, doesn't mean you got to go make dumb moves. So you're right. I mean, the guy has the guy has a. He's got somewhat of a restrictor plate on him when he knows it's not the right move, and I, that's the kind of GM that I want in Kansas City. And it felt it felt kind of good that that they were all linked to like safeties and uh, you know deep half of the field players. I mean, so it, it, just, it just it just yeah. yeah, just kind of confirms like okay, I'm not crazy. Like that's exactly what I think the problem is too, yeah. and that's the only position I could have seen them adding. Um, not not really any other position on offense or defense. I think really made sense. Do you guys wish they had picked up Haha Clinton Dix? Not for a third round pick, but for a fourth or fifth, something like that. Yeah, I was I was definitely interested in him. It's just that like I think the first three rounds, like 
the Chiefs have shown like they got a pretty good hit rate um, on those draft picks. So I just want a little more out of that. And like I don't think uh, Haha Clinton Dix or you know not even Landon Collins was going to be like like the missing piece. I think they definitely would have improved him. But you're still hoping Barry's coming back. Yeah, there there are two big pieces of information that we're missing when it comes to Clinton Dix is the health status of Barry. If he's completely healthy and the Chiefs really feel that they're getting the full Eric Barry back, then you don't need to uh, make a move for a Clinton Dix. And then there's another thing is if Barry isn't healthy, and then this is the other piece is the future, which no one can really tell. But if you get to a playoff game and you look back in the AFC title game and you're one play or two plays short or something yeah. where it's for, in the 40s and the Chiefs end up losing by three like they did in New England, you're going to look back to October 30th and say maybe if we had Clinton Dix, things would have been a little different. And I think that's the fear for Chiefs fans right now. You, you have a, a historic offense right now, and what if you, and, and what if you get beat 45-42 in a playoff game? And you wasted the offense. And I think that's why, that'd be my guess anyway, why you guys got so much traction on the trade deadline, right, on Arrowhead Pride. It's because, man, we've got something. we got the hard part figured out here with the quarterback, the thing that we haven't had over the last, uh, since Lenny was here. And if they, and if they don't. <laughs> crazy. Uh, is it, isn't it crazy? I mean, if they didn't make a move, and, and defense is what costs them a chance to go to the Super Bowl or get to the AFC title game, fans are going to go nuts because of that. I just didn't like maybe the narrative yesterday with fans that, I feel like once we saw how high Clinton Dix got traded to the Redskins, he instantly became Sean Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he's, a, he's a fine player, but that's not a guy I'm going to overspin for. If you're going to overpay, go get Landon Collins. If you're going to overpay, go get Patrick Peterson. Don't yeah. overpay for ha-ha Clinton Dix. That, that's not a guy worth overpaying. The tricky part is they didn't have a fourth rounder, so they couldn't really offer that. And third is, third is too much. Fifth was not going to be enough. And, and you're into that tricky situation because they ended up trading it for Ragland. So it just was a, it was have, a tough fit. So they would have had to overpay for him. Which, they have two thirds. Yeah, they have two thirds, I think. The other one's the Rams. So I'm sure teams are also thinking, like, this is really a high fourth round pick because this is going to be at the very bottom sure. of, the, of the third round. So it's probably. In your world, like a, 32nd. And you're, if the Chiefs, 32nd. 32nd and 31st picks right there. <laughs> I mean, I, I, think it's, I, I think it's very, very obvious that the Chiefs continue to operate like a team that expects Eric Berry to come back at some point. Like, that's how they're treating the trade deadline, that they're bringing in the safety. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. The guy from the Raiders that's the OB. former first round. Let's just call him Obi. Obi. All right, Obi. cool. Obi. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the guy's name because I don't want to get it wrong here. I think they told you today, we rather check the scrap heap Pick up a guy to hold us for a couple of weeks. We don't have to spend any draft capital. We can go pick him up. We think he's an upgrade for the team to hold us over until Eric Berry gets back. I can't fault that strategy. I mean, I don't even think they need necessarily much to like hold them over. Like again, they're they're they've won seven out of their last eight games. Like they're pretty good with a huge glaring hole. And the dirty one is coming back too. Yeah, at 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 the bottom there, the like dirty one. if somehow like I'm I'm still uh, like others, and I'm holding out hope that uh, Barry's going to come back at some point. But if he doesn't. It'll be one of the most bizarre like Kansas City stories I've seen in a long time. Happy long 81st time. day of no practice. By the way, we got 19 away from the party. 100 days of no practice. <laughs> 81st days. Are you just checking these off on a calendar? I, I look it up 80, every day. The 81st day since he hasn't practiced, huh? That's Pete's it. the only reason I know this. He's the only reason I know. Like, 60 the, days out. <laughs> down to the day. He's the only reason <laughs> I know. August 11th. That's all I know. That's it. It's a long time ago. It is. Right now, we are joined in studio by our guy, Pete Sweeney. We're also joined by Joel Thorman of Arrowhead Pride. Keep it locked in. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll give you a chance to win 1000 bucks on our national cash contest. I think there's reasons to be worried about the Cleveland Browns. Let's see if Joel is worried about Cleveland. We'll talk about that next. Coming up, it's the drive. Back. 
back in for another segment. We'll give you a chance to win $1,000 in our National Cash Contest. We'll do that coming up in 3.30 in just a bit. But right now, we are joined by the guys from Arrowhead Pride. Pete Sweeney, the blog father, Joel Thorman, they are joining us in studio. We just talked about the trade deadline. Let's move on to this week's game against the Cleveland Browns. I got my fanning hat on for this one. I'm a little (laughs) bit worried about Cleveland because I just don't know what to expect. I think the Chiefs win this game. I'm not predicting an upset. I just think it's going to be a grinded out on the road 27-23 kind of game where you need to score late. That I just don't know how to read Cleveland because of all the changes that happened over the last 48 hours. I'm with you cuz like at first glance I'm thinking, "Oh, it's the Browns. Like they're not any good. The Chiefs will beat them bad." And then you look like actually the defense is pretty good. Um and Baker Mayfield's pretty fun to watch. They have some weapons and if they put it together, uh you know, and have like a competent game, like I think they can give the Chiefs a pretty good game. I think it will be somewhat tight. Um, I don't think that it's going to be like the Bengals game or anything like that because I think the Browns can score a little bit better and their defense is better than that. Um, so I think I'm kind of with you, CDOT. Like, I think it'll be uh, a little bit of a, of a tighter game. And I think you know a lot of like Kansas City fans are going to realize like Browns are actually not bad. I think a lot of people forget that this team was in four overtime games. Right. Overtime games can go any way. You know, and they were right there and the record could be different. Hugh Jackson could still be there. Another thing that I think about too is the new coach. Greg Williams is an absolute nutcase. He, you know, he was at that practice probably saying, "Show's over, fairy boys." You know, we're going to get after it this week, and they got they're going to be fired up. And I think yeah. there's some aspect too. I remember when Andy Reid went back to Philly, and like he wouldn't really let on, like this is, you know, this is a bigger deal for me. But when in the grand scheme of things, you could see after the game how much right. it mattered to him. I think if these guys really like John Dorsey and, and the guys, I can only go by, go by what I saw in Kansas City. Those guys really liked Dorsey when he was here. I, I'd imagine it's the same in Cleveland. They're going to want to get this game for him. There's a lot of different like emotional things about this game that make you uncomfortable as a Chief fan. And we haven't, even, we haven't even talked about the fact that you got Mahomes versus Mayfield in this thing. Right. That's like storyline number four or five here. But I, I'm going to see that on this one. You whack a coach, and CDOT sent out the tweet yesterday. Teams that after they fire their coaches are twelve and ten and twelve and ten. We saw it in Kansas City when the Chiefs beat an undefeated Packers team after Haley got whacked. Something happens to a team, you know. Whether it's the fact that it just all this dysfunction is is gone away, you cut off all the fat and all the stuff hanging around this team, and it clears their brain to go out and play. And the other part of that too is, man, coaches are coaching for their jobs in Cleveland, and there's a lot of players playing for their job too. And and when you throw all that in the mix and the John Dorsey part of it who would love, I'm sure he would absolutely love to beat the team that fired him. I, I, this one scares me just a smidge. I, I'm with CDOT. I'm not picking the Chiefs to lose this game, but if you're just sitting back thinking the, the Chiefs are going to curb stop a, a bad Browns team, I think you're wrong. I actually think there's a chance that the Browns get blown out in this one. Like I think it goes kind of one or two ways, and I think we'll be able to tell yeah, very early. to go early. early then, I think. Yeah, yeah. like – you guys know, like in, uh, in in college football bowl games, you can normally tell who wants to be there and who doesn't want to be there in yeah. the bowl game. That you don't know before the bowl, but in that first quarter, you can tell who had fun over the last three weeks and who came ready to play for the bowl game. I think we, I think we'll tell in the first three possessions whether Cleveland is was was inspired by all the stuff that sure. happened over the last week or they're ready to lay down and they're coasting to the end of the season. That's something you're going to be able to tell in the first ten minutes of the game, like just. How they respond to each other, the energy, you know, a big tackle for loss, a big sack. I just don't know how Cleveland's going to respond to this. Maybe Cleveland was kind of blah over the last couple of weeks, just given the record. This can either put to me push you in one or two directions. And and I think you're getting to the point in the season where the Chiefs are clearly, you know, one of the two best teams in the league. So this is this game's going to be circled on every other team's 
uh, calendar all year long. Uh, it's going to be the Browns Super Bowl, their their biggest game of the season this week. So you're going to get like everybody's best kind of from here on out. I kind of agree. I, I think it's. I could I, I think it can go quicksand either way, meaning like if the Browns get a stop to start the game and then all of a sudden they're on the board and they're leading against the Chiefs, like I could see it being a you know, one score game at halftime. But at the same time you're right. I think if Mahomes goes out there and they put up points and then all of a sudden it's fourteen nothing, it could unravel in the other way. It just is a very, very interesting game that really could go in a lot of different directions and it's worth watching, even though again it's the quote unquote lowly Browns on Sunday. Well, I think you made a really good point too, Pete. Four overtime games. Right, you know, one of them was a tie. What have they done in the other ones? They well, they got a win and a couple of lot. I don't. I'd have to look. But I believe I mean, they only got one win of the four. Yes, and and they got one tie. So their season could look a lot different, uh, a lot different. I, I see. I'd pick these. You know, the, the Browns to go to the AFC title game. Man, he loves them. He wanted, they're like thirteen and three or something like that. Adam C-Dot. going seven and nine this year. I really thought Cleveland was going to surprise. I mean, I wasn't really that far yeah. off when you look at it. I mean, four no, overtime right. games yeah. that go in either direction. Cleveland is a team like they are not a hapless team. No. Like they're not a regular two win team. Like a lot of two win teams don't really seem to have hope and maybe not a whole lot of fight. They kind of remind me of uh, of a last year's Jets team. Remember the Jets? Like the Jets were not a good team last year. But man, the Jets were scrappy. They could do some things that could beat you. That wasn't a game that you could just in- easily pencil in on the schedule. That's how the Browns kind of remind me this year. I was thinking kind of almost a little bit like the 13 Chiefs, minus the the 9-0 start um, coming off you know like a really bad season the year before. But you didn't think the roster was that bad. And if things roll the right way, like uh, you know you can go out and win nine, ten games, whatever they did that year. If the if the Browns had a decent head coach, they probably would be in that position. There is something about a new coach though that really resets the season for you. Too. Yeah. So whatever that happened before in the old era, I mean, I think there was some guy a couple of years ago at the Raiders who buried a football. And not, not that that's the perfect example. <laughs> Tom Cable? Yeah, that, was, yeah. Well, that, Cable sounds, did it. that sounds like a Tom Cable yeah. Tom Cable thing. But, did he also beat somebody up after that? Yeah, he might have. I think it was yeah. Sperano, if I remember. Maybe. I don't know. Whatever it was. Um, Both bad coaches. <laughs> yeah. yeah. R.I.P. Tony Sperano. Yeah, R.I.P. You end up resetting the season. And especially with a guy of this attitude, I mean, all of us football fans, uh, many of us watched Hard Knocks. We know the difference between Hugh Jackson and Greg Williams. It's going to be one team and another team. And we don't really know what this Greg Williams-led Browns team is. And the yeah. other part of it, too, it's not like there's... We, when we were talking to Sean Barber, I think it was the 2000... I can't remember what season was he with the Redskins when North Turner got fired. He was fired with like three games to go in the season. That's when you're like, eh. Right. Let, let me get to the end of the season. Let me focus on my numbers. I'm, 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 I'm playing for a job next year, whether it's here or somewhere else. They got half a season to go, man. They got eight games left for the Cleveland Browns to do something. So it's not like you're at the end of the season. And that's another reason why I think this Browns team will get fired up. And like you said, I mean, Greg Williams is Captain Insano, man. I mean, some of the stuff that he did in New Orleans <laughs> and all that crazy stuff. I mean, you're, the Browns are going to be fired up for this game. And I lived in Ohio for 10 years. And whether the Browns suck or the Browns are halfway decent, that stadium is crazy yeah, for legit. Cleveland Browns football. Like, it's it's. It Welcome doesn't matter. To the dog pound. It really. I mean, it, it, it. They love their Browns. No matter if they're, they're like Cubs fans back in the. Did day. you ever the go Cubs to a team. game there? Yeah, absolutely. I was there at several games. I was there at the very first game that they had um, had back a preseason game. Um, but yeah, so the, I mean, the dog pound. The stadium's going to be crazy. They're probably glad Hugh Jackson and Haler are gone. To be honest with you, and that'll make the the environment that much crazier. I'm sorry, Hugh Jackson. The Browns are for real. <laughs> I can't do this with you every week, Pete. Uh, let's uh, we'll get you guys out of here on this because I've taken a lot of criticism for my criticism of Sammy Watkins, but he played his best game as a Chief. There's no denying that Sammy Watkins was the best offensive player on the field for the Chiefs on Sunday, and it wasn't really close in that one game. 
Yeah, he's. Uh, it seems like every week a different player's uh, stepping up, and while at times uh, signing Watkins seems, uh, excuse me, signing Watkins seemed like a little like uh, overkill, considering the Chiefs already had like so many other uh, weapons offensively. But you know, every week some guy's going to be down, and somebody else like Watkins is going to be able to step up. Is he so. in the perfect situation? I mean, think about this. He loves he's not it. the focal point of the offense, and he makes fourteen million a year. He loves it. And yeah. you could you could hear it when he's in the locker room and talking about being in Kansas City versus L.A. Like he loves being in Kansas City, and he's been saying that since training camp. He likes being in the secondary role. He's not a guy that enjoyed being the go-to receiver. Where if he had a bad game, it was his fault. You know what yeah. I mean? And so that's why why he's relishing this role. My problem with him is the amount of money that he makes. And I, I don't I make as much money as you want. I always say it, it's cap percentage. I mean, mm-hmm. you're against a cap, and they're, they're, you could have used that money on defense, like. I don't expect that Demarcus Robinson or Chris Conley could be doing some of the things off the ball that Sammy's doing, uh, which is why Kelsey and, and Hill are having the years that they're having. But at the same time, it's like, are you 7-1 and one without Watkins? I think maybe. Is your defense better without well, Watkins? I don't, think maybe. The, I don't think they win the Bronco game without Sammy Watkins. Maybe not. I, it's just I My beef with Sammy Watkins live, lives in the hypothetical, and that's what's mm-hmm. tough. I mean, I, I, I can't really figure that out because we just don't know. If you're, if you're scoring 35 points a game with Watkins, like, I'm, I'm down. That, 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 that yeah. makes up for whoever you would have signed in the, in, on, on defense on the other side. My only issue with Sammy Watkins is very similar to the issue that Pete has is Every other player in the NFL that's paid in the top ten, we have a certain level of expectation to. Sammy Watkins is the only one that doesn't have to apply by that. That's why he's got the perfect gig. I mean, he gets paid like he's Mike Evans, (laughs) but can have 700 yards receiving. Everybody tells me how he's such a great asset to the team. Like, really? Like, that's my only issue with Sammy Watkins. Like, I'm on Pete's side. I think he's an upgrade over Albert Wilson. I think he's an upgrade over Demarcus Robinson. That's not really the question to me is, it's your opinion. I'm like, he's the sixth best receiver in the NFL. Would you have been better served to maybe go cheaper at wide receiver but still have a viable option and then spend the rest of that money elsewhere on the team? I will always be on that side because I just don't ever think that his production can really match what they're paying him. You can you can afford to make risks like that uh, when when you're paying uh, Mahomes a couple million a year and Tyreek seven hundred a year and Kareem Hunt's on his rookie deal. Like there's like a two year window there where you can make some splashier signings like that and maybe overpay for guys um, a little bit. So I think you're you're kind of like in that window right now. I don't I don't think he's worth sixteen million dollars a year, uh, but they can afford it and he makes the team a lot better on offense. Real quick, we got like a minute left. Long Long-term contract for D Ford. What parameters would you sign him to a long-term deal? I would just give him a franchise tag, and maybe I'd do another franchise tag. I don't think I would touch a long-term deal, but I would do a th- I would do like a three-year, you know, a three-year, uh, three-year. Let's say fifty-five to sixty million, twenty million a year. He's due to become a UFA, so I think you're going to have to pay him. I don't know what that exactly equates to, but like Joel, for me, it's a franchise tag or nothing. I, you need to prove that you're healthy enough and that you can sustain this this amount of uh, production. Yeah, someone's that's someone's given him $100 million over five years. Exactly, because it's the let, UFA. Let, let somebody else do it then. Yeah. It shouldn't happen in Kansas City. We've seen five, five years of it. I know he's you know the AFC player, defensive player of the week, and he's been great and all that. Fine. I've seen five years of D Ford, and I, I told CDOT this this week. I think the next eight weeks are going to determine a lot for D Ford. We've seen him have a good first half of the season. We've seen what, that before. We've seen that before. What are you going to do in the second half of this? Because he had a great first half, and to his credit, he's done a lot of this without Justin Houston on the other side, which is a credit to D Ford. But I got to see it for the rest of the season. That could be why he's better on the left. Can you? Do you guys remember when D Ford first started and he was just like a joke of a player, <laughs> and we'd laugh at him? Guys. He was the biggest bust we'd ever seen, and now I'm like, 
sure, I'd pay him $17 million for one year, <laughs> but not four. Like, yeah. I mean, like, there is not many players who have had the range of opinions on them that D Ford has had. Because, like, you can come out and make the argument that the Chiefs should pay him $80 million over four years, and, like, that's not a laughable argument at this point. That's why I think you at least got to be able to entertain 30 35 guaranteed. Because that's a, that, that's equivalent to franchise tagging him twice. You gotta, like, have, the it, it, you gotta have the conversation. Yeah, I mean that that's what you gotta do. I'm not willing to pay him like he's Justin Houston or Khalil Mack. I'm not willing to do that. But you at least gotta be w- willing to have the the uh, Melvin Ingram conversation from the Chargers. You gotta be willing to have the Olivier Vernon conversation that got around 40 million guaranteed. That's the same as franchise tagging him twice. You at least gotta be willing to have that conversation if you are signing up to sign him for one year, 17 million dollars next season, which everybody in Kansas City as of now seems to be on that side. I, give me four years, sixty-four million, like the the Melvin Ingram deal. I would I would sign up for that. Um, but my number one choice would just be the tag, and then make me do it again. Go out and have seventeen sacks again, and make me pay you twenty million, like in year two. I think it has to be the tag because someone's going to outbid you. I I yeah. just think he's going to yeah. have that kind of year. I'm with you. I franchise tag him. I'm not giving the guy a long term deal. I'm not doing it. That is our Arrowhead Pride Roundtable. That is Pete Sweeney. That is Joel Thorman from Arrowhead Pride. Always good talking football with you guys. Thanks for coming in today. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Cedar. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or I don't know. Maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.